It's time for Cadillac on Call on News Radio 610 KONA. It's your chance to learn valuable health information right here in our community. Now, the host of Cadillac on Call, here's Jim Hall. Hello, friends. Welcome to Cadillac on Call presented by the Cadillac Foundation. On today's program, we focus on the term cancer survivorship. When a cancer diagnosis happens, lives change instantly certainly for the patient, but also for friends and loved ones. We will visit with an expert on cancer survivorship who will be in the Tri-Cities on October 27th for a presentation to cancer patients and survivors. The topic, Intimacy, Sexuality, and Cancer. Later in our program, the Foundations of Catholic and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center have many generous donors in our community. We will visit with a longtime corporate supporter of Catholic, Bouton Construction, about why they feel compelled to support Catholic in a significant way. First, surviving cancer, and our guest is Leslie Heron, who is an expert on the field of cancer survivorship. Leslie has more than 40 years of experience as a nurse, 20 years as a family nurse practitioner, and 10 years focused on cancer survivorship. She's the owner of the Green Labyrinth, as well as the founder of the Cancer Survivorship Provider Network, which provide education, networking, and support for both health professionals and cancer survivors. Leslie, thanks for joining us today. And why don't we begin with a straightforward question, what is cancer survivorship? Oh, Jim, that's a great question. Um, You know, I, I hear a lot of times from patients the question of like am I a survivor I ha- you know it hasn't been five years since my cancer treatment ended or or I'm still on maintenance therapy so am I am I a cancer survivor and if you um, if you go with the, the diagnosis that, that or the uh, definition straight out from the American Cancer Society it you are actually a cancer survivor from the time of your diagnosis to the end of your life and so, so truly, you know, everybody who's been given a, a diagnosis of cancer is a cancer survivor. But then there's a slightly different twist on it when you talk about survivorship. And and um, what I always tell patients is, from the time that you complete your kind of acute curative treatment, you know, they say, hey, your chemotherapy is done and we want to see you in follow-up or, you know, you, you're done with surgery and radiation and, you know, and now we're going to just see you every few months, you know, forever. Um, that's really when survivorship begins and that's, that's taking care of people with the unique needs after their acute cancer treatment has been completed. And so is it like cancer treatment itself through pharmaceuticals and just the the advances that have been made on the treatment side, the medical side, um, is the same true on the survivorship side that there have been advances throughout to be able to help patients live, I guess, a more quality of life after their diagnosis? You know, yes. Yes and no. How's that for a clear answer? I would would say yes, there have been amazing advances in the last 10 years and uh, even in, you know, the last three years. um, Back about 10, 12 years ago, this survivorship idea was was a little more vague and um, people were like, well, we know your life has shifted after your cancer diagnosis 
diagnosis and after going through treatment, but you're probably fine. You know, we'll, we'll just follow you up. And, and then around 10, 12 years ago, it started to shift to say like, hey, we actually know that if you're, you know, maybe having a, a healthier diet or getting daily exercise, you know, even if that's, you know, walking to the mailbox and back, <laughs> um, that, that it seems like people are living longer and doing better. And, um, and so there, there was a real shift to be able to focus on cancer survivorship as a specific, unique phase of cancer treatment. And, and then I would say that even in the last couple of years, more research has been done on cancer survivorship populations. And now we're even better at being able to say like, hey, you know, I don't know, take that vitamin D or, or make sure you're eating some fish or exercising this many minutes a day makes a bigger difference than exercising that many minutes a day. And so I think we're continuing to refine um, what helps people be healthier longer and have better quality of life in that long-term survival after cancer. How did you uh, migrate your medical healthcare career to this this particular topic? <laughs> we touched on that you are a nurse by training and became a nurse practitioner working in primary care family practice, and then now you are uh, working in this in the area of, of, of cancer survivorship. How did that take place? You know, I it, I was in um, primary care for about twenty years, and. You know, we all we all think about you know you think about going to your primary care provider and maybe you're a person with high blood pressure and so your you know your healthcare provider is thinking like oh I have a number of patients in my practice who have high blood pressure and you know and all of them kind of you know more or less have the same kind of things like I give them these kind of medicines or I recommend they work on their cholesterol level or you know things like that and. and and also in primary care, um, I just noticed that I had kind of a, a population of patients who were cancer survivors, and they were people who maybe had had a childhood cancer and now they were adults, um, or maybe they were in my adult population already, and, you know, I might have, you know, helped diagnose them with their whatever kind of cancer and sent them off to oncology and got them back um, as a patient after their treatment. And I started really noticing over many, many years that that these that this cancer survivor population had different healthcare needs than my regular folks, you know, my non my non cancer folks. And and that might have been they they might have still had high blood pressure, but they had kind of high blood pressure with a cancer survivorship twist. And um, and I noticed that my younger, my people who had had cancer younger in their life and now were um, young adults or middle-aged adults had some different concerns, um, more fatigue or maybe earlier onset of arthritis or uh, maybe more thyroid problems than, than say, their age you know, kind of age-matched 
peers that that hadn't had cancer. And it it made me curious, and I tried looking into it, um, and there wasn't very much research back then. Um, You know, folks have been surviving their cancer longer and longer, and our treatments have been getting better and better. But, it, you know, when you look at kind of the life life trajectory, that hasn't been going on for all that long. It's kind of a new phenomenon. And so when I was in primary care and I, I would just, I would try to research, you know, why is this person have thyroid disease when nobody else in their family has it? And the only thing that seems to be really different is that they had cancer and cancer treatment or, you know, earlier skin cancers, earlier arthritis, um, things like that, that, that just didn't add up when I looked at kind of the rest of my patients. And, and so that curiosity led me to um, reading more, connecting more, asking my peers if they were seeing the same kind of thing. And when um, about 10 years ago, um, Fred Hutchin and Seattle Cancer Care in, in Seattle had an opening for a nurse practitioner in their survivorship clinic. And I was like, yes, I want to do that. And it, it was it was in a selfish way in that I wanted to learn more. But then also I really wanted to help this patient population because it seemed like there was so little information out there. So interesting how, how it how it came this way, and, and certainly what, what a I'm sure very fulfilling for you professionally. But I you know I want to kind of tee up. We have to go to a break momentarily, but when we come back, we're going to focus in more on the topic at hand when you're here next week. And I know one of the things that you touched on that survivorship clearly it focuses on the patient, but also there's an element for the loved ones, the caregiver or spouse or the person that's helping them. True, right? That is so true. I think, uh, you know, if if one person in your family has cancer, you're all cancer survivors. (laughs) (laughs) And so, obviously, uh, as we go to break, uh, when you're here on October 27th, uh, it's happening. The presentation is titled, Do Ask, Do Tell, Intimacy, Sexuality, and Cancer. And we're going to dive into that topic after this commercial break. The event is on the 27th of October at noon, and it will be held at the Wellness Center over at the Catholic Tri-Cities Cancer Center. And if you would like to sign up, it's free. All you need to do is RSVP. Call the phone number 509-737-3420. That's 509-737-3420. And register for that presentation on the 27th of October at noon. We're going to be back with another segment of Leslie, and we'll do that right after this. You're listening to Cadillac On Call on 610 KONA. This program provides general information only. Any comments or information presented are strictly for educational purposes. Cadillac and 610 KONA do not endorse any of the suggestions made by the presenter or callers. Now back to Cadillac On Call. Once again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Catholic on Call, presented by the Catholic Foundation. And we're visiting with Leslie Heron, who will be having a presentation in the Tri-Cities on Thursday, October 27th at noon at the Catholic Tri-Cities Cancer Center. The focus is Do Ask, Do Tell, Intimacy, Sexuality, and Cancer. And Leslie's expertise is in the world of cancer survivorship. and She's had a very uh, deep career in healthcare as a nurse, a nurse practitioner, working in family practice medicine, and the last 10 years, 
Her career has focused on working with cancer survivorship. And Leslie, I want to dive into this topic uh, that you're going to be addressing um, next week. And I guess uh, the elephant in the room, you talk about hair loss, you talk about all of the different impacts that people face during cancer care. How did this topic come up and, and rise to become something that you speak on in a public setting so frequently? You know, I, it, it's funny, I, you know, coming from primary care, you do so much work in primary care, or, uh, you know, whether whether you think it, you, you do or not, it seems like you do a lot of work around cancer, I mean, not cancer, but around um, sexuality, intimacy, relations, relationships, people, you know, wondering about family planning, and, and as, you know, maybe as someone has health, some health conditions and is getting maybe a little older, you know, menopause symptoms and and maybe erectile problems and and in primary care that's just our bread and butter we do that stuff all the time but then when I switched over to working uh, in the cancer center it seemed like you know we were almost back to elementary school like spelling out you know like they have sex you know and 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 nobody was talking about it and and, and it seemed so um, foreign to to me you know having come from 20 years in primary care and we know that that cancer treatments can affect fertility and we know that that um, hormone therapies uh, for for treating cancer um, for men and women can cause uh, changes in sexual function changes in in body image early menopause um, you know sexual dysfunction whether it's vaginal dryness or erectile problems and also just anxiety, worry, and, and we all know, you know, how, how incredibly, you know, sexual we feel if we're really anxious or depressed or worried about, you know, finances or, or you know, or our longevity. And, and so um, I just started asking <laughs> my cancer survivors. It's like, is, you know, do you have any questions about intimacy or relationships or, or sexuality? And it was as if, you know, the door blew open. Um, everybody, it seemed like, um, had, had a question, you know, well, what about this? You know, is there any product I could try? Or I don't know how to talk to my partner about this anymore. Or I wanted to ask my doctor, but but they never brought it up, so I thought maybe I was the only one. And and it felt to me like we just needed to, you know, kind of like the title of my talk, you know, just give people the option to ask and and give providers the option to to give information because it just seemed like this topic was not even on the list. <laughs> was it was it something that 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 also came about because just the fact that the people, you know, not so much the the physical activities relating to sexual activity, but just the the the, the physical attraction of just you know being friendly and and affectionate and those kind of things. Because they're, as you said, they're dealing with stress and anxiety and a diagnosis. It's very very serious, and they don't allow themselves to you know remember that they can be affectionate with a loved one. That is that is so true, and and I, 
I, I see it all the time in, you know, and with, with, you know, I mean, if we even just take it away from cancer and think about, okay, if I have a loved one who, you know, needs knee surgery, you know, I'm, I'm working with them, we're looking at the calendar, we're trying to, you know, we're trying to negotiate days and times, and, and then, you know, we're driving them to surgery, we're waiting for them to get, get done, then we're, you know, helping them make sure that they're taking their pain medications right and doing their, you know, knee exercises. And suddenly we've shifted from being uh, a partner, uh, a love, you know, a, a love interest um, to being a caregiver. But with a knee surgery, you know, that's maybe a week or two weeks or, you know, whatever it is, you know, of, of this acute time period. But with cancer, oftentimes, you know, we have, you know, maybe a year or a year and a half or multiple years of treatment. Treatment and um, and and suddenly that relationship really shifts to one of a patient and a caregiver and not really remembering like oh right we we actually really enjoy each other's company. <laughs> sure, sure. And I was going to say I wanted to touch on the the providers and and your work with doctors and nurses and people who are counseling patients. But one last question with 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 cancer survivors and and that as well is is do you find after they listen to your your talks and your education and your counsel that they just sit there and go wow i, I you know i just you know it, it's a difficult and probably a touchy subject to broach sometimes but i'm so glad that i i learned this you know, I, that is what I hear from people over and over again. I, I, I feel like, like we all need permission sometimes. You know, it's, it, it, you know, even permission to say like, you know, I'm worried about this or, or, um, I, you know, this has come up in my mind so many times, but I haven't been able to get it out of my mouth. And, and I do think it, you know, I mean, hair loss, you know, we all expect, you know, maybe with chemotherapy to lose some hair and, and, you know, but everybody can see that out on the surface and, and, you know, warns you about it and prepares you for it. And you can say like, what do I, what do I do about this hair loss? But something that's a little, that's more intimate and more something that's harder to talk about, just being given permission to say, you know, this is something we expect. And if you have, you have questions, you can ask them, um, you know, makes, makes it okay to bring it up. Finally, uh, you touched on uh, the work that you've done to get to be able to, I guess, make this more of the part of your, your, your conversations with your patients and your counsel. How has it been in educating the provider community and helping them better understand this? You know that it's actually incredibly rewarding to be able to give providers permission as well, and I and I do think that that our healthcare providers they don't want to be too forward, they don't want to be presuming, they they don't want to you know kind of turn off their their patients and you know oh yeah well that doctor asked me about this that'd be weird, and and really giving the the um, healthcare providers permission to bring the topic of intimacy and sexuality up as well 
and say to them, you know, our, our sexuality is kind of, you know, it's, you know, how, how do you have any headaches? Do you have any neck pain? You know, do you have any hair loss? How How's your relationship? You know, are you having any intimacy concerns? And when you kind of roll it all into that, it's all part of dealing with the whole human being. And I think that has been really rewarding for a lot of healthcare providers to be like, oh, right, you know, this, this, these are just other body parts, and I, it, it is okay and appropriate for me to ask about them. And, and even if it's not a big, deep conversation, I think just knowing that it's not a taboo topic um, does open the door for real communication then on, on both sides of the, <laughs> of the healthcare table. <laughs> And so in the maybe a final 30 seconds, if you want to tie all this together, so is that what the message you hope folks that attend this would walk away from with? Yeah, I, I really do. And, and the, you know, the whole idea behind the do ask, do tell um, title is, is maybe your question is something really, really simple, but it's hard for you to get it out of your mouth. And, and so maybe by coming to my talk next Thursday, you come up with a way to ask that question that, that feels more comfortable for you. Or maybe it's something that's really become a bone of contention in your relationship, or maybe you're a, a, a caregiver of a patient and you are really grieving the loss of this intimacy or being able to to talk to each other. Um, and and maybe you need um, some support or some help around that. And, and my hope is by coming to the talk that we just kind of, I don't know, that we, you know, there might be some giggles, there might be some fun, and, um, <laughs> and, and hopefully then it just becomes something like, oh, right, we could talk about this. That, that's a really okay thing to do. Well, Leslie, thanks so much for taking some time. That's October 27th, uh, noon at the Cancer Center in Kennewick. Call 509-737-3420. Back with more right after this. Listening to Cadillac on Call on 610 KONA. This program is not a substitute for direct consultation with your own health care provider. Always consult your health care provider for your specific condition, especially if you have or suspect you may have a medical problem. Now back to Cadillac on Call. Here again, Jim Hall. Welcome back to Cadillac on Call, presented by the Cadillac Foundation. Once again, Leslie Heron, an expert on cancer survivorship will be offering a free presentation at the Catholic Tri-Cities Cancer Center on October 27th at noon. The title of the program, Do Ask, Do Tell, Intimacy, Sexuality, and Cancer. That program, again, is free, but reservations are required. If you'd like to reserve a place, please call 509-737-3420 and ask for Connie. Again, that number, 509 737 3420. Now, this is just one of a variety of survivorship offerings provided by the Tri Cities Cancer Center. To learn more about them, we welcome to our program Cindy Miller, who is the survivorship nurse navigator at the Cancer Center. And Cindy, uh, certainly this topic I know uh, it sounds like is, is something that comes up quite frequently in, in your work with cancer patients, but I also know it's also a goal of the larger. Uh, strategic programs of the Cancer Center uh, that you're doing for a year to help in this area, right? Yes, Jim, thanks for having me. I listened to your conversation earlier, and everybody listening should be calling that number because Leslie is amazing, and I can't wait to hear her presentation. Um, So as part of my job in survivorship for um, nurse navigation, I've been doing that for about 
the last year of my 16 years at the cancer center. I've been a navigator about half that time. And my goal as navigator for survivorship is to take someone who has had a cancer diagnosis up to stage three and create a survivorship care plan for them so I can summarize everything that they've had done for that treatment and that particular diagnosis. And then um, they have that document as do their providers so that we're all on the same page. And what I do find though, as you alluded to, and I have to just say it, I'm so excited, our last Commission on Cancer Accreditation, that we have the most accreditations of any place in the state. Cadillac does has five accreditations. So for those who need to go elsewhere, guess what? You don't. But anyway, um, so one of those um, issues is uh, for Commission on Cancer, we have to actually have at least three goals for the year. And one of them is talking to people about their needs and sexual functioning. Are we affecting them with our cancer treatment? And of course, the answer is yes. So what can we do to help them emotionally, physically, even if it's a matter of giving samples, et cetera? Um, and sometimes as a nurse navigator, it's just plain a listening ear. Um, not all providers are comfortable with this topic. Fortunately, <laughs> Leslie is amazing with that. So between comfort level and time, I know it takes sometimes a lot of time with a person. Um, doctors often refer to our nurse navigators or nurse practitioners and I can spend as much time as you need if you're one of my patients to talk with you, find out what your needs are, and see how we can make referrals um, if necessary to make your life have a better quality. You know, and Leslie addressed it a little bit is, is people's, you know, they get cancer diagnosis at all stages of their life. And, and I'm thinking of especially breast cancer awareness is, is this type of month. And so the focus is on that. And a lot of younger women are sadly impacted by breast cancer, and they may be still at the childbearing age and still want to have children in spite of a cancer diagnosis. So is that part of what this is all about, this effort and this goal? Great question. Actually, one of the things that should be done if somebody meets with a provider and it's going to somehow affect their fertility, um, the first thing they should bring up is, I still want to have children. Of course, the provider should be asking that, and there's possibility of um, egg preservation. Um, that's something that we'd have to have them meet with a specialist in Seattle. But again, it would need to be done for some people immediately, um, especially if you're younger. Sometimes cancer can be much more aggressive when a person is younger, and so we would need to deal with that right away so they can move forward as soon as possible with their treatment. You uh, you touched on the just the word survivorship. I mean, it just evokes so many, uh, I guess, to me, thoughts and emotions that, you know, especially when you add the word cancer to it. What does cancer survivorship mean to you as a nurse navigator? Well, it does mean a lot to different people. As I said, I worked with a number, mostly breast cancer, um, but um, I just lost my mom even this year to ovarian cancer. And so... Um, there, there's many emotions that come, and for breast cancer survivors, sometimes they have to have a hysterectomy and have their ovaries taken, or an oophorectomy. Um, that can affect them emotionally plus physically, um, and even every once in a while, somebody has to have their breasts removed and that, and I've had women cry and go, but am I a woman anymore? So I think that even sometimes professional um, psychological help is an issue. As Leslie mentioned, relationships. Um, I think it's critical from the beginning, too, is have some dialogue with a significant other in your life because 
um, the expectations maybe of the other person. I had a lady one time who was crying because her husband, she said, didn't want her anymore. She was this beautiful young woman. He said, okay, here's your assignment. I want you to go talk to your husband, bring it down there as like, what is really the issue? Bottom line is he didn't want to be a heel by expecting something of her physically. And she took it as you don't want me anymore. So uh, they resolved their issues. And I have to say to other people, please, please communicate with that other person in your life. Maybe you're going to be kind as they're going through this difficult thing. And it might mean just hold me or hold my hand or encourage me, um, because those are intimacy issues, too. It's not necessarily just a sexual act. So communicate with the person in your life. And you touched on that. Does it go to the broader, just in general, of any cancer diagnosis and any issue that someone is dealing with? Just those emotions just trigger so many thoughts, not only for the person's dealing with the cancer, but as you touched on their their family members, their loved ones as well, that is the importance of communication that, hey, I'm scared. I don't know what's next. And all of those emotions rolled into one. And, you know, that's part of our navigation team, too, is honestly, if that's what you're feeling, please um, call 509-783-9894 is our main number and ask to speak to a nurse navigator or social worker, because that's what we can do. You're right. People freak out. And it's not necessarily just the person with the cancer diagnosis. As a matter of fact, sometimes they're the calmest person in the bunch. And um, I've had to advise people, not commonly, but maybe they have to actually temporarily cut someone out of their life, whether a friend or family member, because they're causing so much distress. So we want to help work with them educate them because a lot of times it's just misunderstandings too or if it's something where it's a more serious diagnosis or later stage that requires a different kind of support but there's so much coming up that um, even I went to a meeting recently for a new drug out and they said we are actually talking about the possibility of curing stage four cancer for certain types of cancer now so it's an exciting time in oncology. And would that be maybe a takeaway message from you tonight as someone that's listening, maybe just a newly diagnosed cancer patient, is know that uh, things are changing rapidly and in many ways on the treatment side for the better and to, to have hope and be positive? Oh, absolutely. And there's immunotherapies and so many things. And I guess my other takeaway, Jim, would be please call the cancer center if you're having the stress. We can support you in many, many ways, whether it's you know, some resources like, you know, fuel assistance, somebody to sit and listen, somebody to make those referrals to fertility that we mentioned earlier. We are here for you because from the very moment that you even think you have a lump, whether you have cancer or not, we're here to talk you through it and get you connected to good providers. We have amazing providers in our community, and we want to be here to help you as nurse navigators. Well, Cindy Miller, Survivorship Nurse Navigator with the Catholic Tri-Cities Cancer Center, thanks so much for joining us tonight. And again, the talk talk happening on the 27th at noon, Do Ask, Do Tell, Intimacy, Sexuality, and Cancer, featuring Leslie Heron, a family practice nurse practitioner and an expert in this area. And if you'd like to attend, just call 509-737-3420, 3420. Back with the remaining minutes of Catholic on Call in just a minute. Welcome back to Catholic on Call presented by the Catholic Foundation. There are many generous companies and individuals in our community supporting the foundations of both Catholic and the Tri-Cities Cancer Center. 
One of those supportive corporate partners at Cadillac is Boughton Construction, and we're glad to welcome to our program tonight Brandon Potts, who is a vice president at Boughton Construction. And hey, Brandon, thanks for taking the time. I know it's a busy time for you as you your company has a, a wide array of projects ongoing, but First of all, maybe just give us a brief background of Boughton Construction, and in particular, its presence in the Tri-Cities. I know there's been a great deal of work done at Cadillac over the years, but people are aware of the Tri-Cities airport expansion and a lot of work in area schools. So just give us a little background, if you would. Sure. Thanks for having me, Jim. Uh, Well, first off, Boughton was founded in 1944, so we've been in business uh, a little over 77 years. And our first project in the Tri-Cities dates back to an expansion to Lord's Hospital, actually, in 1968. So 63 years ago, we set foot in the Tri-Cities, and we've been here in some capacity ever since. And we've uh, completed, well, I think last time I counted, it was over six projects in the K-12 through sector for schools, uh, a few higher education projects, obviously the airport expansion, like you mentioned, and then numerous projects for Cadillac over the years, you know, parking structure, I think the first parking structure in the Tri-Cities and uh, several others. So we we focus on commercial construction and healthcare is a big part of that. Regarding healthcare, and it's interesting, as you mentioned, the the variety of the types of projects that, that your company does, but in healthcare in particular, what struck me over the years is one of the things that has to happen is the operations have to continue, obviously, because there are 24-7 operations at a hospital. Does that add a little bit different dimension and element to the type of approach you take to those kinds of projects? Absolutely. Uh, you know, healthcare construction is inherently difficult and complex. So uh, with these projects, we we also, we often build while there's staff and physicians that are delivering patient care on the other side of a wall. So a lot of a lot of thought and planning goes into things that you can't see as you're driving by the project. Detailed logistics plans, rigorous safety programs focused not only on infection control but minimizing impacts to patients, staff, and visitors. Uh, and through our, our deep roots in healthcare, we've really uh, honed these these tools to to help with facilities like Cadillac. And I was going to say one project that stands out in my mind, uh, people see the 10-story Cadillac River Pavilion, which is essentially all devoted to patient care. Most of the floors of that facility are patient rooms, not to mention operating rooms and the like. But I can recall uh, one of the expansion projects related to the River Pavilion and seeing a sign as your team, the workers, would go to work, as you say, while patient care is provided, that there's an actual sign that was up there that said, please keep in mind that you're working in an area where there are patients receiving care, you know, next door, down, you know, on the floor below, et cetera. Is that just part of the whole philosophy behind that? Absolutely. We we uh, train kind of all of our staff and try to develop a mentality when we start projects like the the tower expansion to to, to treat it like it's your family member that's on the other side of that wall. And Having had both my my son and daughter have procedures in Cadillac, it's it's pretty easy to do that. You can picture that. So we we try to make sure that everyone that sets foot on a hospital campus really treats it like like that. It's their it's their patient in the hospital. It's their family in the hospital. 
And maybe on that topic, uh, for the the company that you know, relative to the work that you've done at Cadillac uh, and other healthcare facilities, what does it mean to you and your company to have had a hand in these roles in these major healthcare projects? That you know, they're healing people, or they're delivering babies, or they're having operating rooms where people are being um, made better. What does that mean to you and your colleagues? Well, it really goes back to our purpose, Jim. Our our purpose as an organization is to build two things. That's places that matter and relationships that last. So the way we look at it, there's few things that matter more than helping our healthcare clients meet both the short and long-term needs of the communities they serve. So, uh, you know, we, we look at it uh, in one aspect, like patients rely on healthcare professionals every day, often in life and death situations, and they deserve the same dedication from us as a contractor. And so that, that just speaks to our roots as building places that matter. A quick comment, if you will. Obviously, I work in the area of fundraising and community involvement with Cadillac. And I know your company has had a long-held commitment to being supportive of the community in charitable projects. Why is that? Well, you know, I have to go back to our purpose statement again, just of building places that matter. Often our clients are nonprofits, um, and our communities rely on them to improve the quality of life in the community. And, you know, that, that just, that's a, that's a place that matter to us. And, and we, we, uh, just thrive on, on getting involved on multiple levels and, in organizations like that. And finally, I know uh, you're personally, uh, you and your family have settled in the Tri-Cities a few years ago. And why the Tri-Cities? I know you have a personal health care connection to Cadillac uh, and health care in particular. Your wife is a nurse, I understand. Yes, she is. She's a pediatric nurse. She's been a nurse for over 20 years and uh, actually works at Cadillac on a peds floor that, that we built. But uh yeah, we are. Her uh, brother and sister-in-law are, are from the Tri-Cities. And just over the years visiting them, we have four kids. And we're really just drawn to the sense of community that exists here. Uh, it's a great community to raise a family, and it's a great community to support. So we decided to, to relocate our family here and haven't regretted it a single day. Well, Brandon, thanks so much for taking a few minutes to share a little bit about uh, your life in the Tri-Cities and certainly the the effort that Bowton Construction plays uh, with improving health services at Cadillac and other places around the Tri-Cities. Brandon Potts with Bowton Construction. Thanks to all our guests tonight. We'll talk again next week for another edition of Cadillac on Call.